0: everybody, welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. This is Ryan and I'm your host. Thank you for tuning back in. Thank you for liking the show, subscribing, leaving reviews and downloading it and referring us to your friends. So this episode I recorded about two months ago. Um, I rode down to Abilene with Josh Weathers, Blaine Cruz and Paul Jenkins and um, they were going down there to do a show and they allowed me to tag along and. Uh, I really appreciate um, my buddy Paul setting that up. So thanks, Paul. So what we did is Josh and I interviewed in the back of the Tahoe when we were headed down 20 back to Weatherford. All that road noise you hear, I tried to filter it out as much as, you, as, I, as I could. But, you know, it's just part of the experience. So we, uh, we get into a lot of things. We get into, um, you know, Josh's spiritual journey. You know, how he's relied heavily on his faith how that he's um, followed his callings and the signs and um, how he's had to make some really hard decisions. Some of the decisions he had to make, you know, I could see how everyone around him would have been just completely baffled by them. And even himself, you know, he talks about that, how he was like, it's everything I ever wanted. It's not right anymore. And and he was doing that because he was following a path and he was following his calling. To have that kind of faith and that kind of, um, to have that kind of conviction is admirable. We talk about how he met President Trump and he played at their inaugural ball. He played his cover of I Will Always Love You form. And I would, I would uh, suggest you go check out Josh Weathers on YouTube and look up I Will Always Love You. It's pretty impressive that a dude with a guitar can play a cover like that. Um, And man, we just got into the weeds about a lot of stuff. What it's like to be a man, you know, mental health struggles, uh, just raising a family, adopting kids. Um, He's got a pretty impressive story. These guys are amazing musicians. I enjoyed it so much being able to get to hear them play. And I'm really looking forward to it because I get to hear him play again Friday night, uh, July 30th. At Billy Bob's, so see if they got any tickets left and come see them. And I'd like to uh thank my sponsors, so thank you, Berkeley Gold. Check out Berkeley Gold at berkeleygold.com. Um, put in circle 15 for the coupon code, and that'll get you 15% off your order. And they are all organic, locally sourced, THC free, 100%. CBD products. They got dog toys. They got Muscle South. They got tinctures. All the things. Um, so go check them out. If CBD's your thing, these these guys, their products are top notch. And I really hope you enjoy the show. Here's Josh Weather. Say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood
0: and learning to become better men. That was a, man, that was an awesome show. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for watching. Yeah, man, I'm glad you could It's
1: awesome. It's awesome.
0: Makes for a long drive, I guess, if you're rolling by yourself, which I've done. Yeah, I'm used to just kind of having to go do stuff, you know, for jobs. And I was like, nah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll drive. When he offered, I was like, nah, I'll, I'll drive myself. And then I thought about it like two seconds later. I was like, that was dumb. I'll Definitely ride with y'all.
1: <laughs> you may have regretted it about nah, halfway through.
0: No, nah, I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So, um, man, I never heard that story about, um, I knew that you played the, the inauguration. But oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't hear the story about the, how you met President Trump. Yeah, it was intense, man.
1: I mean, it was probably like a 10-minute encounter, something like that. You
0: mind telling me it again?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we got the opportunity to go play the Salute to the Armed Forces Inaugural Ball. There's a company in Fort Worth that was producing it called Encore Live, and and they uh, hit me up and said, we'd like you to come and do the event. I said, of course, yeah, I'd be honored and— and uh and so i mean we got briefed before the event that uh that you know the president was going to be in the room and and that you know it it was a crazy it it actually like it transpired it was first it was supposed to be i was going to go to dc and i was going to sing the national anthem and god bless america at arlington cemetery when they do like the wreath ceremony Which in itself is an amazing honor. Yeah, which would have been the day before the inauguration. But they ended up not producing that event, and so they call me back. Are we clipping? No, we're good. Okay. They call me back, and uh, they're like, hey, we're not going to be producing that event, but we got another one we want you to do. It's going to be a salute to the Armed Forces inaugural ball. Here's how it's going to go. And I'll tell you, like, the whole story here. It's going to be Tony Orlando, then it's going to be you, then it's going to be another band. I won't say the other band because I don't want to get myself in trouble (laughs) because the story is that they got fired off the gig because they were not happy with the lineup of the band. That's what I was told. Really? We'll just put it this way. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they sing songs about surfing. Yeah, and there's kind of two versions of them. There's like the conservative version and the not-so-conservative version. Mm -hmm. And so the conservative version of the band was going to play the event, but for whatever reason, they did not end up doing the event. And somehow or another, I got moved from the first guy on the gig doing a 30-minute set to being the headliner of the event, and Tony Orlando is going to open for me and do an acoustic set. Tony Orlando, he was like a '70s pop star, had big hits in the '70s, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, we fly up there. I put a band together, like an eight-piece band. Blaine was there. And this is before Paul was in the group, um, and I mean, it was an intense experience. Just just getting like vetted, and you know, like all the crazy stuff you have to do beforehand. Like Secret Service is not a joke at right. all, and so. We fly up there, and, and uh, we get up there the day before to load in and sound check. And Secret Service, like, they read your mail. Like, this guy walks up to me and just stares at me for, like, 15 seconds. Doesn't say anything. He just stares at me. And I, he said, are you Josh? I said, yes, sir. Okay, I just had to get eyes on you, Josh. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he was like, how many people are going to be on stage while you're performing for the president? I said, uh, there will be eight people. Uh, We weren't aware of that. We thought it was just gonna be you. I said, no, sir, because how the gig transpired, I ended up getting the opportunity to sing the first dance for the president, first lady, and it was supposed to be the song My Way by Frank Sinatra, but that all got changed at the very last minute. And uh, anyway, so they thought I was gonna be singing the song by myself. No, I'm not singing the song by myself. The whole band's gonna be on stage. Okay, well, uh, we'll have to make arrangements for that. Here's the deal here's these they give you these little magnetic clips that like fold and clip onto your jacket <clears throat> he said whoever is on stage with you has to have this on their person every second they're in this building tomorrow I said, okay so they give me these clips i tell everybody in the band you gotta you gotta wear these i'll tell you what they were for in a second and then you know, we get there the next day. It's at the National Building Museum in Washington, DC. It was like this super elegant. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was a black tie event, invite only for servicemen and women. There was about three thousand people there. Wounded warrior guys and General Mattis was there and like all these all these people. And it was the night that he announced he had appointed General Mattis as like Secretary of Defense. So like all these Marines were freaking out. They were so pumped and Blaine went over and met Mad Dog. It was funny. He was just sta- wasn't he just like standing at the bar by himself. Yeah, just chilling. Nobody mess with him. Everybody was afraid of him. I <clears throat> so we uh we do our set. It went great, and then Uh we we take a break. Like they're like you know go go enjoy yourself. President's running behind. You got half an hour or whatever before he gets here, and just a few minutes later, maybe five ten minutes later, <clears throat> they come and somebody from management comes and gets me like you got to come backstage right now i go backstage this lady is back there and walter the guy that's producing the event my buddy from fort worth and they're like sweating bullets and freaking out they're like the president's back on schedule he's going to be here in just a few minutes and he does not want to dance to the song you have prepared and i said i didn't pick it he picked it they were like that doesn't matter He's going to be here, and he doesn't want to do it, so we need some options. So they start rattling off song options, and she's got this cell phone out, and she's got it on speaker, and she's got the president and his assistant in the limo on the way to the show, and they're throwing song options back and forth. And we're going back and forth, and, and I'm naming songs, and they're like, no, we don't know that, no, we don't know that. And then he asks if I know the theme from Cats, the president, through the phone. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and so... I mean, it was just this really intense moment, and they're just tripping, and then she kind of walks off on the phone, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, okay, and hangs up, and then she says, you're just going to have to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. And so they take me upstairs. She said, Secret Service is going to brief you on what you need to do here, how to engage with the president. Said, okay. So we stand at the top of this stairwell that's like in some dark hallway, you know, and it's just random hallway. And uh, they they tell me this is how it's gonna go. The president's gonna walk in those doors. He's gonna come up those stairs. He's gonna greet you. Then he's gonna greet you. We're gonna introduce you. Tell him who you're here who who you are and what you're here to do. When he asks you what the options are, give him three. If he doesn't know the song, you sing the song. I said, yes, sir, I can do that. Okay, well he'll be here in one minute. So do not move from this position. And I walked off. I started like praying down the hallway. They came and got me and drug me put me back. But don't move. Do not move. Stay here. Okay, okay. Walter looks over at me. He's like, dude, you're about to audition for the president. And I'm like, this is insane. I mean, this is, I'm like, this is crazy. And it was kind of just like they said. Ivanka Trump walked in first, though. She had no secret service, no, um, no security, no nothing. Walked up the steps and uh, greeted us. She was really kind, really nice. And then went into like a little holding room that they had set up. And then, just like they said, President, First Lady, Vice President, his wife, bunch of family members. Um, the Trump brothers were already downstairs. They were walking around downstairs, and uh, but it, I mean, it's just intense. And then, you know, it's like they walk right up the steps, and how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? They introduce each other. Mike Pence introduced his wife, and was really kind. And President introduced. The first lady is the first lady is the first lady i was like yes sir and uh i mean they were just i you could just tell there was just like an elegance like an air about them and they were just like this is the most powerful human being in the world right now on planet earth this guy you know and uh he was really nice so he shook my hand introduced everybody and Mr. President, this is Josh. Josh is the guy that's going to be singing the first dance. Oh, good, good, good. Listen, we don't want to do my way. We already did it twice because there's three inaugural balls. The first two are like public, open to the public. You know, these big productions. Ours was an invite-only thing for military. We don't want to do it. It doesn't look good. We don't like it. So what do you think we ought to do? I said, well, how about the song Ucha? I don't know Ucha. What is that? I don't know that song. I said, uh, he goes, ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. And I, like, sang it in, like, little doo-wop moves. And he was like, eh, it's too fast. Mike Pence wanted to do it. He was like, no, that's great. No, that's good. And, uh, and, uh, no, no, it's too fast. Long day. Look, long day. We don't want to do that. Let's. We just need something very slow. So how about the Whitney Houston version of "I Will Always Love You"? And he was like, "Oh, that's perfect, honey. Is that perfect?" And he like checks with the wife. You know, she's like, "You know, that's fine. That'll be great." And so I said, "Well, Mr. President, I know you want the song to be with the band. I don't perform the song with the band. I think it would be good with the band. I think you should do it with the band. It would be great. It'd be great." And I said, "Well." he goes, how are you going to do the big boom? And uh, how are you going to do that? You got no drums. (laughs) And I was like, well, and I didn't know what to say. And Walter just spoke up. Walter goes, Mr. President, Josh's version is the greatest version I'll ever hear in your life, sir. And I was like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Stop helping. (laughs) uh? Stop helping. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. I was like, where's the table? I can crawl underneath. And uh, and he... uh, He just looked at me, you know, it was like this kind of like that, like that kind of scrunch face look. And he was just like, Josh, what's your best song? And I said, sir, millions of people have heard me sing that. There's a video of it. That that would be the best. Okay, well, if you think that's the best, whatever you're going to do, you're the guy. We hired you. You're the guy. You're in charge. Let's go. Let's have fun. It's going to be great. We shake hands. We walk downstairs and oh, he, he, he asked me, he's like, You want a picture? I said, Yeah, I'd love a picture. And so he uh we take a picture. I'll show you the picture. I gotta find the phone. I don't know where my phone went. Well we uh we uh we take a picture and then he's like, Hey he elbows me. He's like, This goes good, you're probably gonna sell like a million records <laughs> And uh and then I ran downstairs, I told the band what happened, we're freaking out and and he and we all just get together and pray. We're like, yeah, hey, it'll be fine. Let's just do it with the band. I grabbed a guitar. I kind of went through the changes with the bass player. And I was like, hey, this will be fine. Just let's go do it. And then we just walked out there and we played it. Uh, we played it with the band. It's the only time we've ever played it with the band. It was like, I don't know. They said, they said somewhere around like 34 million viewers, something like that. And then the funny thing is, is the next day... It actually aired, like, on loop on every major station that was—anything they said about the inauguration, they had our performance running as B-roll while they were talking because the inaugural ball we played was the only one that had the presidential seal on the floor, and they they wanted that graphic, the presidential seal on the floor. So, I mean— it was on every major news media outlet. I, you know, and the, the guys that ended up producing that managed me for a little while afterwards. And they had all the like the all the statistics of how many people saw it, how many people Googled, you know, I think they, they they had tried to figure all that out. I wonder how many people Googled your name that day. And my whole agenda there was like, number one, yes, it's the president. You go. Number two, like it was for the military. You honor your country and uh and then you know I have a nonprofit and I was like what better opportunity to get publicity for the nonprofit people google me they're going to point them to that you know I'm trying to raise a million dollars you know so and it worked well and you know what's funny is it it came with this, some backlash you know people there were haters and newspapers wrote some you know some articles about it and was not where well, they were not the nicest thing in the world but you know I knew that was going to happen to a degree, but what's funny is is people just came out of the woodwork to support us. I think we sold out the next few shows, like in Fort Worth, like by a lot, by a lot, and set some records in some of the venues and stuff. Because people were just like, you know, they were like, "We love you. You're the thanks for doing that." You know, people were just like really proud of it. So. Yeah, man, it was a crazy experience.
0: That helped snuff out all the haters and the negativity for sure. But well, that's yeah, gotta, that's got to be hard, especially in your hometown.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of drew a line in the sand oh, of yeah. who was gonna who was gonna support me from then on out, and whether they, you know, I mean, I think there's certain people that would never probably buy a ticket to a show again, but they probably have some level of respect for me because I didn't. I just didn't care. Yeah, you know, I mean. Of course, it messes with your mind to a degree, especially when I'm on the plane. And I'm thinking, like, I remember sitting there on the plane. I was just like, man, this doesn't feel good. Like, knowing, like, these articles are getting written at home and, like, people are freaking out on social media. Oh, my gosh. And then that was kind of like the basis of one of the articles was uh, the only interview that I gave was with a guy I... One of the journalists, I actually I know him, and he, and my bass player at the time was great friends with him, and he was like, hey, he calls him, he's like, you need to say something, y'all need to say something, because people are just making all their own assumptions here. You need to at least say something, and I was like, what is there to say? I mean, what 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 are they? What are they? I'm not getting in that cat box, you know, like there's crap in there, and hey, that's I'm not doing it. And then I thought, you know what? I'll I'll I'll, I'll give him. I'll, I'll talk to him about it. And uh, he called me and basically what he did, he was just like, I just want to read you some of the things we're seeing on social media right now. And I want to hear how you feel about it. And I mean, you can go read the article. It's actually pretty, I mean, it, it, it actually ended up painting me in a better light than I think people realize. But I mean, he read these quotes and they were horrible, dude. Oh my gosh. It's saying just horrible things. And were they all anonymous? No Did you know some of these people? Yeah Yeah I knew who they were And They didn't care You know And I I uh, I was just like You know man It's a shame It's, it's, it's so sad Because they have they have no understanding Of what my heart is In doing this And they don't care And then You know, you just have to go read the article You have to go read it It's It was uh, It turned out pretty good turned out good and what, what turned out bad is a lot of those people unfortunately they got like death threats you know the people that were like talking trash about me it was I mean, you know i didn't feel good about that but at the same time you know i was like well people are crazy man you you go spitting words out like the power of life and death is in the tongue
0: <laughs> and it's the rudder to your ship you know yeah, the Ugh. and the political climate and the way that it's engaged and the way that with social media and everything now it's gotten so ugly and divisive and yeah and and, and it's just the mudslinging without any facts. <clears throat> like, let's clear one up right now. Yeah, is Mr. President or was the president orange?
1: No, that was. I always <laughs> tell that it's kind of like a joke. He was not as orange in person as you'd think. I didn't notice any orangeness at all, to be honest with you. I think I'm it's like, funny
0: that when you look at the more left-leaning news outlets, the yeah. saturation's turned way up. There's in the something to it, man. And then you look at other newspapers <laughs> that are biased, and he just looks like a normal old yeah. white dude. And it's like you, you can't – and people just, like, they just hook, line, and sinker, man. And it's it's the saddest thing to be – Yeah. It's,
1: you know <laughs> – this was the funny thing is is this was right at the beginning
0: of it so oh, yeah. it hadn't escalated quite as badly yet this was all during the time of he's not my president and, and right you know, right yeah right uh the
1: first encounter like we get on the airplane to fly to dc and i don't remember what do you remember i don't remember what day the inauguration was on it was like a friday or a saturday i think it was a Friday, and the lady this lady who's sitting in the robe in front of me she sees me carrying on a guitar and she goes oh you're a musician i said yeah and you could tell this lady's pretty granola you know probably pretty left-leaning right mm-hmm. and she goes oh you're a musician i said yes ma'am and she said uh oh wreck on 20 little wreck on 20. Oh. She, says, on uh, <laughs> she says road noise she says she says, are you playing on Friday or Saturday? And I said, uh, we're playing on Friday. And because, so this was, I, I, there was a protest concert that was happening on Saturday. So when she asked me that, it was very pointed to know like where I where I stood. Are you playing Friday or Saturday? Friday's the inaugural balls. Saturday was a protest concert. It was something like that. And she goes, oh, hmm. we don't like you. Just like that. And I go, really? And she was like, yeah we don't like you and i go well i love you like that oh it just made her so mad and she goes we're just gonna have to figure out how to get along aren't we and i was like ma'am never gonna see you again in my life <laughs> like not sure not sure what you uh oh man lots
0: of how is background how's that intolerance any different than uh saying that to you because you're black
1: or, it's really not.
0: I mean, or because it, you're gay. Yeah. Or, it, it was just, it was just, uh, the hypocrisy is pretty ridiculous. The double standard. Yeah.
1: What's funny is actually to me, the word liberal actually kind of freedom of thought. Exactly. It lends itself freedom to of like choice. do what you do. You do you, but it actually is not, it's not that anymore. You liberated from oppression. Correct. Yeah. From exactly. rule. It's not uh it's 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 just not that way anymore. This is like a full blown wreck right in happened, front of us. It just
0: happened. It just
1: happened. Wow. This Paul, like these little stops we take, sometimes the sometimes the little detours.
0: The divine
1: Oh Jesus. That car is flipped over. They're they're trying to get people out.
0: Holy shit. <sighs>
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, trying
0: to get out. oh, my gosh. Thank God for first responders, man. And airbags. Wow.
1: Jesus, help them, Lord. Wow. Wow. See? Good thing we hit that love's on the way, you know what I'm saying? Good thing we took that detour, Paul. <laughs> See, Paul? <laughs> the Lord was leading us. <laughs> You thought, you know, you thought we were never going to make it sure home. Look, you were.
0: <laughs> so, so you were talking about your uh, your nonprofit. Tell, is yeah, love like you mean it. Uh huh. Tell me about that. Uh yeah we my wife and I we, in the process of adopting
1: our first daughter, we have three little girls from India. In the process of adopting the first, we went we took a trip over there. Yeah and we went with a church in uh in burleson a Guy named troy brewer became really great friends of mine but yeah when we a friend introduced me to him said he's got a lot of orphanages and stuff over in india you need to go check it out with him and so i was like yeah he's like because my wife and i were just gonna go we were just gonna go to india and see what and thankfully we didn't do that because that would have been a disaster i think but we went with uh went with this church and it was just life-changing and we saw just destitute such intense poverty and just darkness that we were like you know we gotta do something and so we're just laying in bed one night and somebody threw out the like we should just start our own orphanage and then like a week later my wife had contacted this guy that was the pastor's son he and i became pretty good friends on that trip and hey would you want to help us Start an orphanage? He was like, absolutely, sure, no problem. And then it was it. Like, we was off and running. And it, it turns out, like, we, it, 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 it sort of, you know, progressed. It It's not technically like an orphanage that we're starting. That And The building is finished. We actually had to build a project, like, build a building. It's like an apartment complex in the middle of nowhere, India, in southern India. And we bought it. We ended up buying a cornfield. And completely, you know, remodeling everything and built this building over there. And, uh, and it's going to house girls. It's a home for girls. And uh, the girls uh, be like a girl's home. And, uh, and then we're eventually going to build a school. So the goal is to have like 100 girls sheltered there and then educate 500 kids at a time. Do like a co-ed school school
0: and this Is to save them from just, sex trafficking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex trafficking is just rampant there, and and out in the village where we are, it's pretty common that you know traffickers will come from the city out to villages like that where people are just unaware. Just you know, pluck they, them
0: in the night, just huh? just snatch them in the night. uh No, they actually don't even have to do
1: that. They'll just. A lot of times, the traffickers now are women. And they'll go they'll just show up at a wedding in the village. You know, weddings will usually last like a week. They'll just show up at a wedding, dressed nice, wearing lots of jewelry. The little girls will come up and be like, "Wow, you're so beautiful!" Yeah, where are your parents? Let's go talk to them. And or a guy will come. You know, they, most of the people they're so, they live in such destitute poverty they don't. That's They're so ignorance is the word really because they just don't have. The foreknowledge—they do not know this stuff is happening—and this guy or this lady will come and say, "Your daughter is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Uh, we'd like to take her to the city and help her get a, get a, help her get educated. We want to help her go to school. Would you be interested in letting us do that? Yeah, of course. We've been praying for this to happen. You know, we're even going to give you like fifty dollars. Oh my gosh, bonus fifty dollars They take this little girl and then." They'll usually start them into trafficking, man. It's crazy. Like five, six years old, they'll start. They'll start in brothels, and they'll see fifteen men a day, and they normally live to be like ten. It's insane. The younger ones, especially, it's it's just crazy, man. And so, the the thing about this particular village too is like half of the village is. Uh, These tribal people, they're called Lombardi, the Lombardi people. And they're sort of like, they're like semi-protected by the government. They're kind of like, you know, Native Americans are in the United States. There's some benefits for them and things like that. Well, they're, uh, these people are, they can get like some free education and things like that. But they're known for their beauty. The women are known for like being beautiful women. Like in Indian, beautiful Indian women. They speak their own language. They have, like, their own tribal language and stuff. And and so they're, like, it's a pretty prime target for that kind of stuff. So we're just trying to head them off at the pass. We have, a like, a safe haven. Because what happens is, is these situations, like, these girls are usually will only be able to take in partial orphans. So it'll be, like, mom died or dad died, which there's tons of it. I mean, suicide is rampant out there, especially in women and, uh, or, you know, accidental death, motorcycle accidents, stuff happens all the time. And there's kids that are orphaned being raised by their grandparents or being raised by an uncle, that kind of stuff. And so as long as we have an adult that can sign, sign, sign off on it, we can house and help, you know, a girl like that. So that's the whole agenda of it. And, and then a- we have a sponsorship program in the city, we have a widows program. There's a lot of facets to it. Yeah. It started with that goal in mind though, a home for girls.
0: And that's up and running now. The home is not open yet because of COVID. Cuz y'all were supposed to were you supposed to open on April 17th? April.
1: Yes. Yeah, we were. We were supposed to go over April 17th and then it just didn't happen. COVID killed the trip. We had a whole we had a whole team that was going and uh yeah it just got squashed and we tried to postpone but then then India shut the borders like they wouldn't let anybody in and now India's just like it, the COVID is like hit over there like crazy I mean it's like a, it's insane and I don't even know It's like a million cases a week or something radical like that Jesus and my buddy's sending me videos or sending me videos not in our village but especially outside of town what's funny is India's not a third world country we have Microsoft you have Apple they have huge facilities there insane Amazon like when you if you call Amazon you are talking to somebody in Hyderabad India sure you know, most of the time so um but when you get an hour outside of the city it's like the land time forgot so there's like, he's sending me videos of people just laying on the ground like literally dying in the dirt can't breathe and then dying it's crazy man so
0: and completely helpless to do anything about it
1: yeah i mean healthcare not the greatest i mean hospitals are overrun i mean that's really the thing population is impossible to deal with there you've got a billion people in a place that's like i don't know probably twice the size of texas or something i mean it's not very big yeah you know it's bigger than that but it's not much not much Based on population, too, it's like Hyderabad is probably like I don't know fifth largest city over there, somewhere around there, and it's about it's smaller than Houston and is I think it outpopulates Houston by like 12 to 1. <laughs> and it's just people on top of people, yeah, it's crazy with man. no
0: real infrastructure, no, and so everything is
1: built up everybody lives in apartments you know if you if you can afford that and then shanty towns it's just like as far as you can see there's just seas of you know tin roof and you know sadness oh it's just yeah it's and we just we cook all this food we'll like cook like these massive pots of chicken curry and rice and bag it up in these little like food baggies and we'll just go we'll just go into those little shanty towns and dude it's so much fun people look at it like what the heck are you doing here like when we got out to our village i was the first white person they'd ever seen they'd never seen westerners and it's like that you know it's crazy
0: and so when when if if there's some relief and everything kind of lifts are y'all going to continue to push oh, for yeah. that yeah yeah absolutely it's just sitting dormant now because of the right obviously
1: yeah manability. i think they're still i think they you know the kids are still meeting there there's a playground there you know we did all kinds of things so we have a guy that takes care of the property too so he can open the gate let the kids in let them play and that kind of stuff so he planted yeah. the seed <clears throat> oh yeah dude i mean it, it, for, for to, to go from being the first few white people that they'd ever seen to like now I have kids. <laughs> I have this kid named Ganesh. He's in high school now and he's like messaging me on WhatsApp. You know he speaks English. Mm-hmm. We taught him English. So there's like 75 kids meeting for English speaking class five days a week. Because when the first day I got out there, I wanted to meet with the men in the village. so I gathered all the men and I asked them, what do you need? What can we do for you here? you know Because we had to build a rapport with these people. They didn't trust us at all. And uh, you know, first they needed water. They had one working well in the entire town. There's probably like 1500 people drawing water from like a water hose. and it was terrible. It wasn't even a water hose. It was a, it was a well, you know. And so we put in a couple of electronic wells, you know, around the village. And then, uh, but that was their big thing. They wanted to. They we want to learn English, okay. And we want to learn English because we can get a job in the city. We can get a job in the city, then we can, we can thrive. But they know that we can't speak English and. These people are, they're considered, uh, many of them are Dalits, which are the untouchables. They're not part of the caste system in India. And so they're just kind of generally oppressed, oppressed people. They cannot rise above their stature in life because of their, like, kind of like a generational legacy. Their last name connects them to, like this sort of like lower life form they can't raise above it and so they can't get proper education that helps them thrive they don't you know and uh so if they learn english though they can actually get a decent job and so we figure well we'll teach the kids first kids will learn it faster and then the kids can teach their parents so that's what's happening so the kids learn like that And we do Bible club on Sundays. Parents, you know, this is a Hindu village. They send their kids to Bible club on Sundays because they're they're liking what's happening to their kids. Kids are more respectful, you know, like, what's going on here? Kids are actually teaching their parents about scripture. It was crazy, man. It's crazy. Same thing happens in the city with our sponsorship program. Those kids were actually really, really close to Because every time we go over there We usually go out to the village like maybe three times While we're while we're there and, uh, and then the rest of the time We'll spend about a week doing things around the city We have an apartment there And so we know all the kids They're neighborhood kids, you know But they live in like tents You know It's crazy They live in little tarp tents Yeah that- I know all their parents, you know and we started a sponsorship program to send all those kids to school, so we've got a whole program with them, too. That's
0: so, phenomenal. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Well, it's good a for lot of you fun. for uh, seeing something that needed to change and taking action. Yeah. Well, it's God's grace, dude.
1: You'd ask me 10 years ago, I'd be doing something like that. I'd be like, no. No way. i rock star. <laughs> <laughs> doing rock star stuff.
0: So... What's the difference between who you are now and who you were then? Well, well, the difference is Jesus, and
1: that's ultimately it. Transformed my life, changed everything, you know. And then, uh, and then just in surrendering your life to that, it it tr- it just changed the way I thought. It gets it you changed. out of self will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-seeking motives. That's really it. It's like you when you say okay you're the lord of my life that means i'm not anymore and so you know you put you crucify the flesh you know the thing that wants to go wants to do wants to have its own will not that god doesn't want to fulfill the desires of your heart he knows what i'm gifted at he gave me the gift right so i get to do that now but now i do it to give him glory when we go to a place like tonight we play and I never—I I always feel like I—it's I, not like I feel like I need to, but I feel like it's just a thing that I can't not do. If I have a microphone, I'm going to talk about it, you know. We're going to play some worship songs in the middle of a barbecue joint, people drinking beer. I am i don't care. They don't care. If they, I mean, most places, it's funny. But it's like the f- people love it,
0: you know. I mean, so— I think it's also kidding. the delivery— yeah, you know yeah, that's probably that too. Because I texted my wife and I, I sent her some videos and, um, because I mean, she loves your version of that, I will always love. Oh it. yeah, and I I agree with her. I think it's the best version, and, and that's not just <laughs> being a fanboy. You know, I mean, I, I, the first time I heard it, I was like, "Dude, that is phenomenal," and then hearing <laughs> it tonight live was uh, <laughs> t- definitely an experience. I was trying to record it. Yeah, for her, and I don't typically do anything like that when I'm at any kind of show because you know be there be present right and and so I just finally just sat down on the table and was watching but like even the gospel songs yeah yeah and I told her I was like man dude it's it's uh it'll make a believer out of anybody the way yeah that's funny that's
1: great man that's great yeah I mean that's the idea is I think I think so many people man they're just hungry and there's not really anybody that'll tell them you know I mean I I, I I was I had looked into everything I was like I was like Native American spirituality Buddhism what do you like I'll, I'll check it out I'll check it all out and even though I was I was a, I would have always considered myself a Christian I would check the box you know I would have done that uh, but I mean, like we didn't when we went to church when I was a kid it was like uh, when we were at granny's yeah you you go to church with granny and granny goes sunday morning sunday evening monday for bible you know ladies bible study wednesday night and so we did and i always enjoyed it you know but uh it's a small little church of christ in hubbard texas and then as i got older you know i'm we just kind of got further and further away from it and then um when i was 19 my dad passed away and I mean, I was just kind of like off the rails. I could kind of get away with anything. I could do whatever I wanted to. I didn't like get into drugs or anything like heavy or anything like that. I drank a lot, I drank a ton, and uh, and then, you know, I see that now. I'm just like, I mean, I don't. I just that I, I'm I'm grateful for that part of my life because it allows me to like see people if they're in that. You know in a lifestyle where they feel like stuck or they feel like they're in a place of like addiction or whatever hopelessness I, yeah i don't yeah. have judgment towards those people man you know because the only difference between me and a bunch of dudes sitting in jail right now is like i never got caught yeah. as it you know i just never got caught yeah you know i could i should have got multiple dates. Did- i mean when you play music six nights a week and that's what i was playing at the time i was like 250 dates a year when you play music six nights a week and literally alcohol is on the writer that's part of the deal and you drink into drunkness like six nights a week and then you know I'd drive home like it ain't nothing i did that all the time you know and i was like a zombie you know i was just like a, a zombie and so I always feel like right at home in those atmospheres. I've, I, I minister now in the church too. I like, I'll speak in the church or play, lead worship, those kind of things too. But I've always felt as confident or com- more comfortable with it, doing it in a position like in those places or Billy Bob's, you know, stuff like that. And thankfully, people still call me back. I'm sure they'll be like, quit preaching, you know, at some point. But yeah, I won't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, that's something that you you truly believe, and it's it's your message. So yeah, you got to be true to who yeah, you are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. What changed? What made? What what finally happened that made you make that switch, to where you finally checked the box and we're all in. Yeah.
1: So, I, my wife and I started working with this company, and it was like a you know uh, a home based business, and and the business was really built around leadership, and so. You know, I, it wasn't my idea. It was her idea. She got introduced to the company and then took me to an event. And I was like, oh, this is the real deal. Like, this is legit. And, uh, and then I met some of the guys that were leaders in that company. And I had never really been around guys like that. You know, spending time in rock and roll clubs and, you know, in bars and stuff like that. You meet good people you know it's plenty of good people but um these guys were just like there's something different you know they were always like like they were always geared towards moving forward like there was just sort of there's like i never heard anybody talk about goal setting anything like that and then i started to look a little deeper i'm like man their relationship with their wife is really good like there's fruit in their life man these guys kids really are respectful and like their kids are like excelling in life like what is up with these dudes like why are these people seem like this like you know Stepford wife is not like that, but it's just like this it just looked you know just looked great and it was like the fruit of their life was so attractive And and one thing I noticed is like they talked the same way around a group of guys as they did in a group of women And I was like, that to me was like stunning. I was like, this is like, there was no cat calling. There was no any of that kind of stuff. It was like, it was always with honor, integrity, valor, and they always talked about those things. And I was like, what is it about you guys? And it was Jesus. It was it. They were like sold out. They were sold out. And they wore it in a way that was like, it was like this real true like masculinity that you know as a guy who's 19 years old loses your dad when you're 19 you know there's this fatherlessness and you're kind of searching for that oh, it was a giant hole Sure. the wind blows through yeah yeah and i saw these guys and i was like i want it, whatever that is that's what i want and so really it was that that's what that's what led me to that place and and uh yeah and then it was not long after that, we took the trip to India, and that really drove things home. You know, I became kind of like drop dead, sold out, Jesus freak after that, you know. And, yeah, I mean, that was it,
0: and I was I was sold out. Huh. And that's what's helped you develop and in, into the man you are. And, yeah. And helped your... Career change, kind of a trajectory, and, and
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, what's funny is, is like, I kind of stepped away from music because I felt like this is not where God wants me right now. And in the process of that kind of stepping away from music, because we were like, I was working towards like building a career, building a career, building a career, and and then like things started happening. That video goes viral you know it goes viral and gets like this is back in the earlier days of YouTube it gets like a million views in a week and like all these amazing things start happening but i knew this is not i don't i just don't feel like this is what god wants me to do and obviously during that time you have all these people around you they're like this is the Lord, man, the doors are opening and like, this is supposed to happen. And I was like, I don't think so. And when that video went viral, man, it was the craziest thing. I mean, we, we had just started playing, like we had started getting some good slots, like festivals or playing for like 20,000 people at a time. I mean, it was, it was amazing. You know, it was, it was going really well and we'd worked really, really hard for a long time, 10 years of just grinding. And I just, I don't think this is right. You know, like I, I, knew it in my heart. I was like, "This is something, right?" And you know, it was. It, it was a, it was like a time of testing. As now that I look at it, that's really what it was. Was like, you know, I, I got emails from people like record labels and things like that that I thought it would have been my dream to be on Atlantic Records, but I was just like, I don't think this is right. And so I just deleted them. I was like, I'm just going to pretend I never saw it. And if the Lord's like, I'll, he'll, in those doors, never once it was gone, it was gone. Never came back again. And I had guys that were very well known record executives, of one in particular that wanted me to come to Nashville and like do it. You do this, we'll make you a star. He said, You, we can do this. He saw me play at a festival. He said, You're a star. Boy, I can tell you, I know what to do with starts. And he did. Like he was the real deal. Like he's responsible for like Vince Gill and Alan Jackson and like one of the biggest, you know, music moguls. And I said the same thing to him. You know, after meeting with him a couple of times, I told him, like, I just don't feel like this is the right thing for me to do this season of my life. Man, I'm sorry. And he was really, really kind to me. He's a great dude. Really great dude. But. You know, there again, what happened at that time when all those doors started closing, we took that trip to India, and I thought, I guess I won't play music anymore. Like, I just, maybe I'll lead worship or something like that, and I'll just be satisfied with that. That's fine. You know, that's what God wants me to do. That's fine. The crazy thing is, is we get to India, there's this massive event, like, we... We, the pastor picks us up, and we're driving to his house, like which is the orphanage. We're sleeping on the third floor of the orphanage. And he goes, we passed this stage. It was on the right-hand side, massive stage. looks like they're having a journey concert there. I said, what's going on over there? And he goes, that's where we're going to do the crusade. That is where we we'll do the crusade. And I was like, what? And he was like, tonight, tomorrow night, and the following. We're going to do three days. They told me you play guitar, so you're going to lead the worship. And I was like, okay. And I played in front of like 12,000 people that weekend. And it was insane, dude. 4,000 people a night. Actually, they said there was more people there on the third night than there were on the first night. And that's the only. it's the only time it's ever happened. And it's because there were two or three white guys on stage. People just showed up just to see. The white people because, playing music, yeah, because they because they they had a uh, televised it. It was televised it was a televised
0: event, and I mean it's crazy, dude. And millions of people saw it. So, it, I'm curious, like you and your band worked so long, so hard, uh-huh. and then you finally get to that crest, yeah. And the guys in your band were probably super amped, you know. And oh well, yeah, they were not happy. And then you're like, oh, dude, I got a feeling. Like what the fuck you mean? You got to feel? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, they didn't. They
1: were not. You know, and at the time, man, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them at all. I, I, I didn't have words for it. Yeah, you know, I didn't have like the verbiage to be like, dude, this is what's going on, and I was just like, something. I got to step
0: away. I think I'm going to take a hiatus. But to have that conviction to be able to listen to that 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 voice in your head you know yeah. whatever you call it divine direction yeah. the holy spirit yeah. your conscience, your soul yeah light source whatever it is yeah. we all have that inside yeah. of us yeah and so many of us deny it yeah whether it's telling you to stop here for gas yeah and you're like that's stupid i don't need gas but you yeah. do and the next thing you pass a wreck that a wreck. you could have been there. absolutely yeah and absolutely that, and that's something like for the past year or so i've really tried to start listening to that voice yeah. because 2 3 years ago i was like just stop i'm just i'm tired of all this because it was almost got to where i thought i was schizophrenic you know yeah. because they, just life and you uh-huh. can only listen to so uh-huh. much but uh-huh. you start getting those yeah those tugs and it's mm-hmm. like no this doesn't feel right yeah you had every reason to shut that thing up but i work uh-huh. too hard i've got right. too many people depending on this yeah but then you're just like no nah,
1: yeah, I mean at the time, thankfully we had done done really well and had been very successful in that business and so financially we had this cushion sure. which made that easier. Had that had that not been the case, you know, and God really just put his hand on that for us. I mean, we went from like nobody in the company to the top level of leadership in the company in thirteen months, which does not happen in those things. I mean it was just like you know. And we went from like zero dollars to the second year in the company made like 350 grand right so i mean it changed everything about our life and and so it made that like it, it you know thankfully it made that easier because my family was depending wasn't depending on me providing with music sure. you know and the funny thing is is Time passes. I don't know how long the hiatus necessarily was. Maybe a year, maybe a little over a year. And we had decided to start the process of building the Hope Home, you know, with love, like you mean it. And we needed thirty grand, like a third, extra thirty thousand dollars, to buy the land in India. And I was like, you know, and so. It was my wife's idea. She goes, "Why don't you just put online that you're going to play 10 acoustic house concerts for $3,000 a piece?" And if we've 10, then you got we got the 30 grand. So okay. And so we we she made a post, In one post in 90 minutes we had $30,000 in the bank. These people were all willing to prepay. Venmo the money, prepay. And they all went sent it through PayPal, and we had $30,000 in the bank. Literally in like an hour and a half, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Because you think like, "Eh, people forgot, yeah." They're not worried about who you know Josh Weathers is anymore. And sure enough, man, it was like venues, clubs in Lubbock, the Blue Light in Lubbock, a place the Art in Fort Worth. Come do it, man. Let's do it. And it was like Josh Weathers acoustic guitar, and it and then it just, just kept escalating to the point of like, my wife was like, "Well, this is. I think this is gonna work." I think we're going to have to keep doing this. And so, okay, well, now I'm playing music again. So it went from, like, Josh serving himself to play music to that going away. Now it's Josh is actually – there's a purpose behind it and actually made it completely different. You know, it changed it. Changed it changed And it, and it, it, it sort of built, like, another career for me because what ended up happening, actually, is that company – the compensation plan changed and everything fell apart. Sure. We went from like making great money, you know, solid six figures to zero in an afternoon. Right. And with no warning, with no warning. And the company, uh, they gave us 90 days. They were like, your checks are going to, your checks are going to still come for the next 90 days. But then after that, they're, that's not going to happen anymore unless you, you know, go along with the new, the new plan of action. And, yeah. And so, I mean, it was it was crazy, man. I mean, it was a crazy time. But the funny thing is, is we had set this goal with music. Okay, we're going to raise a million dollars and give it away. Well, we had hit that million-dollar mark. Actually, like it was like 1.2, I think, we had raised to build the Hope Home. And it was, I mean, we had kind of like set that bar and then hit it. Not even realizing that we had. We sat down and Katie's like, we start working on the numbers with the non-profits. We, we became a 501c3 and like our assistant, she's working on numbers, she was like, this is how much money you guys are raised." It was $1.2 million. So I was like, oh my gosh, we did it. I didn't even know we did it, we did it. It was not long after that, I don't even know, A couple weeks probably, something like that. We got the news that the company was collab like the compensation plan was going away. And I was like, well, I guess I can play music for a living. We raised the million, the million dollars we were supposed to raise. We we have relationships that are going to continue to happen. That's going to continue, like, people are going to continue sowing seed into what we're doing. Like, I don't have to go out and use this as just fundraising now. We can actually use it to live, feed our family, yeah. And so so we did, and, and then COVID it. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is my wife had just she just before covid started she started another business like another work from home business and that sustained us that plus private events you know doing private events sustained us through covid but yeah i mean it's been a crazy couple of years for
0: sure you know and it's interesting like you you met these men Uh uh-huh and uh you know oftentimes our wives when we're with the right woman they lead us into these things uh-huh. and it just oh she did i mean like most for of the sure. most i'd say 95 percent of the good things in my life come from my yeah. wife yeah just for tons of reasons that's yeah. a whole nother show i could do yeah you know? totally yeah but then you you saw something in them and yeah. you felt that pull, mm-hmm. and then you listened to it yeah and started to dig further yeah. But then trusted that. Right. And then continued and then kept listening to that, mm-hmm. that voice inside of you, that soul, that, yeah, that whatever. Yeah. What I mean. would
1: say it's the Holy Spirit. That's my, sure.
0: yeah. And then every time, I mean, that, that is the, the story you hear people talk about. One yeah. door shuts and another one opens, but how, right. how he provided that path for you. And it's so easy to see it now. Right. But yeah. to be able to ride that path without seeing it. Yeah. I mean, that's faith. Right. And trust. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Well, I mean, it just, that's
1: all it is, is faith. It has nothing to do with, I mean, you do have free will, obviously, right? I mean, that's what gives God his divinity is that he is like, he's so rad that he's like, I could control everything, but I'm going to choose to give you the choice. And it's like, it's like, I mean... You, we do we do have the choice, you know. When you know, like when you're explaining like soul, see I feel like the soul, the way the the Bible explains it is the soul is your mind, will, and emotions, right? Your mind, will, and emotions. Which can be corrupted. But the Holy Spirit cannot be corrupted. So when you feel it it's good, when you know it's pure, when you know it's like when you know you're like when you pull up to the gas station and You see somebody that's like hurting over there And you feel like I need to help that person I need to go give them some money I better make sure that they're okay That's not you That's him You know But you you know what the feelings are That feel good to your flesh You know That like I want to look at that I want to go do Now that's you That's you You know, not to say that we're like, but we live in a fallen world. You know, I'm not saying like we're all just horrible people because that's not the case. But like, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is the one that and a lot of times, too, what I feel like is it almost will rub. You know, when I know it, when I know it's the Lord, it will rub against like my own desire because my own desire says, no, no, no. Being famous sounds great being wealthy for you know playing music sounds great but what he wanted for me rubbed against that not to say that he's has I mean we have been provided for beyond measure like it's my family I have a sixth child on the way you know my kids they they get what they want like they've been they're well taken care of even through all that crazy up and down up and down you know God has provided like and you've you've adopted a three four. Four. Yeah. So we have a biological son, Cooper. He's ten. Then we have Justice, he's nine. Justice from Midland. And then we have Tegan, Ruby, and Pearl, eight, seven, seven. So and then my wife is about to have Asher, number six. Which we haven't had a baby baby in ten years, which is kind of insane I'm 37 I feel like I'm a little old for a baby baby but they've all showed up pre,
0: pre-assembled yeah yeah everything else is pre-assembled that's <laughs> right
1: <laughs>
0: yeah so you know I mean um you know when I met Paul and we were we were because I did some work at his house and we got we got to yeah. talking and yeah. and uh you know because he's so chatty yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then we I finally cracked that shell and we started talking and stuff and and um and it came up that he played music and so yeah i was asking him like so do you tour like like how do you do that what's going on with that you know and and because I mean, you got a full house here bro and mm-hmm. career you're saying that y'all have like the dad schedule the dad tour man i mean it's yeah it's like this you well yeah i mean home. we drove to Abilene today <laughs> uh-huh. and then now we're driving home yeah which explains the road noise yeah um but but having that commitment to still do this but to make take that extra mile yeah take the gigs that you can make sure that you can get home that you're not gone too long it's that commitment to being a part of your family yeah and that's it's not easy i'm sure no i mean 6 30 is gonna come early when i gotta get kids ready
1: and take them to school yeah you know that's a loud house with that many kids i bet yeah
0: yeah It's, it's
1: it gets rowdy they're good kids though they're pretty well
0: they're well trained (laughs) (laughs) and so and you said that your wife has a a non-profit here in in fort worth right yeah so she has an organization uh
1: she's the dfw chapter director it's an organization called safe families safe families for children and uh it was based in chicago it's been around for 15 years and, and uh she found out about it through us becoming a host family actually she saw an ad online or something, something, some sponsor. I don't actually know how she came across it, but something online. And uh, it's sort of like a host family is almost sort of like a... Oh, boy, here comes the... Uh, oh, sorry. A host family becomes uh, sort of like a short-term uh, foster care, is what I would say. Usually, hostings are like 45 days, six weeks uh, would be the average. And basically you sort of sign up to become a host family and uh, a host family will watch some kids basically for a mom who's in crisis i say mom because most of what we work with is with single mothers but sometimes dad is in the picture and uh and you know this is a family in crisis meeting like okay uh mom's probably made some bad choices life choices something's gone on there and mom is living in a shelter she's hopping around from shelter to shelter she's dragging her two kids with her if mom can get a little bit of help because she has no family you know there's you know there's nobody there to help them Uh, if mom can get a little bit of assistance over the course of some time and get some resources then maybe mom can dig out of this hole and if she can she's not going to lose her kids if she doesn't she's probably going to lose her kids to cps which creates this whole cycle of foster kids that we've noticed. And uh, so we go into churches, recruit host families, The host families, say, hey, we'll we'll take the kids for, you know, let's say there's two kids. We'll take the two kids for six weeks. And in that time, we also assign mom a coach. We have somebody that's volunteered to be a coach for mom, and she's going to help mom do some goal setting. She's going to help mom. Life coach. Yeah, basically, yeah who meets with her once a week and takes her to get coffee and sits with her for an hour and talks and, you know, let's set some goals. Okay. How are you doing on this? And then here we'll provide you with some resources. Here's what do you want to do? Okay. Then we're going to help you. We're steering the direction. Here's the door. Here's the right job training. Here's what, you know, we had a mom like, you know, it was a great success story. We had a mom who's a hospice nurse. Now Who's was living in a shelter. Now she's a hospice nurse and has an apartment, you know, it took her a few months. It was a longer hosting than most, but, you know, we helped her out with the kids while she went to job, while she got her job training. And the kids are in daycare and go to public school, and, you know, she's doing great. Bought a car. I mean, you know, it's like, and that's all they needed. They just needed somebody to be like family for a short, short period of time. And, uh, you know, I mean, We had that when my dad passed away. We had family that walked in, stepped in, you know. And that's what will happen in these situations, you know. We had death in the family. Now we're stranded. Here's mom. Dad died. Oh, no. What do we do? Nobody's there, you know, to help them. Or the families live in poverty and there's nothing they can do. I mean, some crazy situations. Moms are in, like, abuse shelters in Arlington and things like that. I mean, It gets pretty hairy sometimes, but...
0: Would you say that, that the majority of those cases, the dad's not around? Yes. Yes. Probably 90%. Do you ever hear any
1: history of why? Uh, you know, most of the time it was like kind of fly-by-night thing. And maybe dad doesn't claim the kids or dad's not in the picture or that relationship just deteriorated and, you know, there's no... There's no real resolve there, you know. Uh, in most cases, with multiple children, that can be multiple dads, too, you know, that, that happens quite a bit. Um,
0: that makes it for a difficult situation for sure. Oh,
1: yeah, man. I mean, this is, it just, it's just, I mean, it's sort of like, it's like at, Epidemic levels at this point, I think.
0: In the and we we talked about a lot of this on the way down here. Uh-huh. I mean, we should, like we we had joked when we were there, we should have recorded the conversation yeah. down. But you know, um, you know the attack the attack on masculinity and the attack yeah. on men. And, yeah, I think that's happening, rampantly. And you know, okay, so these guys, like, let's let's just take an example. There's there's two different, three different, babies, daddies, or whatever, yeah. and they're not uh-huh. in the picture. Okay, uh-huh. <clears throat> that's um. That's three out of three of picking shitty dudes. Yeah. You know, like, yep. at some point, you got to quit blaming yeah. the men. Yeah. And then start taking responsibility. Like, why are you picking that type yeah. of person? And then you go back even father, further, and it's like, well, what was that woman's father like Right. in her home life? Right. And then you look at those guys that ran off. What was their home life like? Because yeah. to abandon the child is... I, to me, it used to be the most horrible sin a person could commit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as I've spoken to more men, as I've done more research on the topic, and I, I'm not excusing any of it mm-hmm. or saying it's acceptable, but I'm more empathetic than yeah. I was. Yeah. You know, um, more compassionate mm-hmm. to those men instead of thinking yeah. that guy just a deadbeat. Yeah. Because one, it's very difficult for men. Yeah if they don't win custody. or it's very difficult to, for men to win custody. Yeah. Like, mom has to be a complete yeah dirtbag. Especially in the state of Texas. Yeah. So, yeah. Or dad has to come in and completely like yeah. just bombard her with with legal fees. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time guys don't wanna do that because it's hurting their child. Yeah. So often I hear the guys just like, man, I'll just let her keep everything. And all of his buddies are like, what are you doing? You know, like you're going to regret this. Like, no, man, it's just easier. I'll get to see the kids. And then they don't. Yeah. And then it turns into that ugly situation and then more alienation, Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then slowly the men just die away and fade. Yeah. And that's one thing that I always encourage guys to do is like, dude, stay in the picture. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you're behind on child support, for 18 years, just get back in the game. Yeah. Start paying something. But it's yeah. It's this this attack on men. Mm. And it's it's, and it's well, it's it's both genders. I mean, us not being willing to look at our family of origin stuff and why uh-huh. we're doing the things uh-huh. we're doing, and and why do I keep repeating these yeah. behaviors, and then we call it a curse and this and yeah. that and. The whole reason for this show was, like, to encourage men to seek out um, uh, different ways to work on their mental health. Yeah. To to bring their mental health to the forefront, to talk about it, to not be ashamed about it. Yeah. Um, You know, we had a conversation on the way down here about, if you want to talk about it, about your breakdown that you had recently. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, how was that for you being in this position, going through all the things you went through, and all of a sudden you found yourself in the spot?
1: Yeah, I didn't see it coming at all, uh, but I guess you know there's I'm sure there's there's plenty of things that you know there's a lot of wheels turning and a lot of plates spinning and one falls, a, man, and there's a lot yeah, and a lot of stress and you know you go from you'd lose your income twice, yeah, you know. I did read recently, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case for me, because I would say that my identity wasn't fully wrapped up in who I am, like in playing music and all that kind of stuff, but it is a part of who you are. And so, like, when that, you know, COVID hits and, like, literally the schedule goes oh, nothing, yeah. you know. But, guys, I, I read something about how, like, men losing a position, if a man goes without his career for, like, a year or it can be like six months or a few months. I, I can't remember what this, this what It's like the grief. It's, it's more grievous to a man than losing a loved one. Yeah. yeah. Because, because so many men, I think so many men put their identity into their career, which is, uh, you know, it's, I think it's part of just how God made us. But at the same time, that's why I, Jesus Jesus says, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I build my life around that and it goes away, it's actually going to hurt me. So I've learned that now over the last six months, like my life has to be built around him. It can't be built around this thing because this thing is fleeting. It could go away and it doesn't matter what that is, you know, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I hit a wall. You know, And then it, I didn't see it coming. And I haven't talked a lot about it. I mean, these guys know, and people in my circles know. I didn't mean to pull it out in the light no, like it's this, all good. I can get it this It's sale. all good, but, you know, I mean, it's something that's what this podcast is about. But, you know, you hear all those great victory things, you know, all the victorious things God has done in my life, you hear about all that. And then I hit this, just hit this wall, and to the point of, like, you know, I'd never experienced anxiety, depression, anything like that to speak of. You know, even losing my dad when I was 19, I guess I probably didn't process that all that well, you know? I mean... That's a lot to equip or a lot to unpack for a 19 Yeah, year you know, old. I was 19 and now you're the man of the house, take care of things. And, and I really didn't. I just sort of like, you yeah. know, like I just, I was... I was gone you know my dad actually before he passed away gave me the permission to pursue music instead of go to college if i wanted to and then so i took that as like green light you know um school's for fools i'm out you know <laughs> and then he passed away my brother was 15 i was 19 and so you know i've had to go back go back and walk through all of that okay why is this happening you know and 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 just re just reassess everything to the point where i mean i thought i was like losing my mind at yeah. one point you know i thought i was going crazy and anxiety is not a joke It has really given me like this this hyper awareness and uh empathy towards people with that are really battling like mental health issues severe anxiety to depression things like that because i don't know the severity of what i was dealing with i just know how it dealt with me and it was horrible Mm -hmm. it was like I'd rather die than live like it's just that bad I feel that bad and I don't know why it's sort of like this glass wall of like I can see everything on the other side of that wall that looks amazing and all the reasons I should have joy and I should be happy right now but for whatever reason I just can't (laughs) I just run into that wall I don't know how to get in there you know
0: see and that's interesting like because I've I've heard that you have so many things to be happy about exactly and you know because for the longest time I didn't feel happiness or joy yeah and I still struggle with it yeah and it's and it's a chemical thing yeah um and yeah serotonin people say <laughs> you know you should feel this way or you tell us yeah. you tell yourself that I should feel this way I what? look I have this beautiful life I have all these wonderful things mm-hmm. and all that really does in my opinion is just shame me more yeah and then it's like, if you could do anything about it yourself, you would have already. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why it's so important for, don't miss your exit. We'll have to go to Mesquite and turn around. Um, if <laughs> Did that's, you hear him? I was, nothing. <laughs> Forget it. But the, um, um, um. Is it Hudson Oaks? Is that the exit? Yeah, it's the next exit. Oh boy, um, in there. It's I uh, lost my tra- but you know it's that's if why. you said if you could help y- it, yeah, you would. That's why, yeah. like when you get into that that place, it's so important that you seek help or that you. And yeah, you absolutely. looked at it from a totally different way. Like mm-hmm. you, you, um, you went and got some levels checked, and you got mm-hmm. yourself checked out, and then that helped. And then and then you. Um, in which, if you want to talk about that, then by yeah, all means, yeah, testosterone therapy. I did def- absolutely, yeah, and, and man, it did it, help. Yeah, I think anybody that's over 35 should have check te- it out and not by your regular doctor. It's like, oh, you're fine for your age, like, go to a legit hormone guy, yeah, or gal and get yeah. your stuff checked out because yeah. that is like, I'm not saying everybody go get on it, but I think everybody should at least check it so they know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helped, it helped me a lot. And then looking at it from you, you, you got out of the problem and started looking at it in the solution, like from a more spiritual standpoint uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that helped you see yeah. what was going on in your life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I've sort of, you know, in surrendering my life to that, I, I it, 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 my focus always leans that way because, you know, the Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So is there, but I do believe we're created in three parts, body. Soul, spirit. So all three affect one another, right? And if my soul here in the middle is what is under subjection right now, this is the thing that's being oppressed my mind, will, and emotions. Okay, I need to look at what am I doing to feed my spirit because it's in here too. And then what am I doing? How do what? What about my body? What over here, right? I mean, like you just watch me eat ice cream in the car at midnight, but I just had four wisdom teeth taken out. I need some cold in pass. my mouth, but like. I mean I lost 25 pounds I started taking Copious amounts of supplements For every you know for everything A lot of neurological supplements Mm -hmm. You know things that have like GABA And magnesium and things that would Feed my brain because I need To get that in check body And there again I have The free will I can let this go If I want to you know this thing I can just totally let this go to garbage I can just drink myself into Oblivion I could do that if I wanted to you know, but that's not going to help the Mr. Man in the middle. It's actually going to make things worse. So I had to get that in, in, you know, in check. And, uh, and then also, you know, soul, I've got to feed the soul. What's the thing that feeds my soul? Well, music, worship, but those are the things that feed, feed me, you know, and then my spirit, what feeds my spirit, God's word, prayer, those kind of things. So like, and being calming, disciplined about it, you know, to the point where it's like, that's the thing that was lacking in my life was discipline too, you know. Yeah, and uh, you just get lazy, and and so that was part of the clawing out was like running, I mean, just like exercise. My gosh, who knew how much stuff like that would help? You know,
0: just going outside and going for a walk, even if you got bad knees or whatever. Yeah, know? and yeah. you were and you were talking about identity. You know, I was yeah. having a conversation with a guy the other day. A real, like a really, really good friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about when your wives make more money than you, how mm-hmm. bad that affects mm-hmm. a lot of men that affects, yeah. And that's you know, we women have that more natural maternal take care of things like raise kids and do that. And I'm not saying that's all they can do, I'm just yeah, sure it's, it's more yeah. Ge- yeah. genetic, sure. and um, they have, they're more nurturing, and then we have that more protective provider instinct. Mm-hmm. And so, if we ever feel like that's threatened or or not measuring up to what we think it is well then all of a sudden we start thinking that we're less of a man right and in my opinion i think that's crap right you know i think that's just what we've been told and what we believe mm-hmm. i think that that causes too much strain on yeah. us in marriages and ourselves absolutely
1: yeah i think when when you when you're fully invested in your career as your identity you're setting yourself up for failure yeah that's what i think i, I think you're setting yourself up for failure i think i see a lot of men that are bitterly unhappy not at work that's a problem yeah and and if the only conversation you have when you're not at work is about work
0: Mm -hmm. you're not a happy person i don't care what anybody says like you ain't happy you know so yeah well man we have arrived at my truck we can
1: finish this up another time too
0: i'd love love that yeah man i really appreciate you taking the time Dude, i'm glad i got to come join me. y'all
1: yeah of course
0: and uh if people want to find you and and book you for a show or or find mm-hmm. out about your organizations yeah. or where, where where can they find you at? uh
1: joshweathers.com or uh yeah, that's really the best place joshweathers.com
0: excellent everything's there well gentlemen there? i appreciate it yeah